0: Well, good morning, everybody. Isn't technology fun, especially when it works perfectly? Yeah. Uh, my name's Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here. Uh, welcome to those of you joining us online. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. That was a little scattered. I'm gonna, let's, try that, let's try that one more time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thanks. Thanks. That, that's one way of us saying, like, we hope that you experience God's presence. Uh, that he meets us right here where we are. And the, the only difference is, are, are we aware of it? You know, are we aware of the fact that God has gotten us here today? Are we aware of the fact that God has been with us while we slept, while we, you know, helped us to wake up, helped us to get here, helped us to check in online? Uh, are we aware of the ways that God has been at work in our lives? And so much of the time we just aren't, you mm-hmm. know? We, we go through life and uh, we, we miss it. And so that little Lord be with you and also with you is like this way of saying, I, I hope you're aware of the Lord's presence with you today. I hope that you can be tuned in to, uh, to sense what he might want to say to you or what he might want to do in your heart, in your life. Um, so let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin our service today. Thank you, God. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you that we can, uh, we can trust in that. We don't have to wonder if today you're paying attention or if we have to do something to get you to, to listen to us. Instead, God, we, we know from the testimony of Scripture and from our own lives uh, that you are with us every moment of the day, of the night, that there's never a moment of our lives when you are far from us. So, God, I pray that today you'd help us to, to kind of tune into your frequency, to, to listen for your voice, to be open uh, in our minds, in our hearts to you and what you want to say to us, what you want to do uh, in our lives today. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to, to sing to you and pray to you. Uh, for the chance to listen for you speaking through the scriptures and to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus in all that we do, God. I I pray uh, that you would help us to connect with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing.
1: Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice you and... Call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery,
2: in oceans
1: deep, my faith will stand. the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine Your grace abounds in deepest waters Sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you never fail, you won't start now. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans arise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. trust is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me take me deeper than my feet can ever wander and my feet will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you will call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander And my faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you will call me take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior So... I'm really excited that we got to Exodus in our uh, journey through the Bible because we can play this song. I'd like to read from uh, Exodus 8, uh, 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. was in Egypt's land, let my people go, pressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go, and the Lord said, go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land, till Pharaoh, to let my people go. So Moses went to Egypt land, let my people go. He made all Pharaoh understand, let my people go. Thus spoke the Lord, both Moses said, let my people go. If not to smite your firstborn dead let my people go and the lord said go down moses way down in egypt land pharaoh to let my people go this world's a wilderness of woe let my people go so let us all to canaan go let my people go we need not always weep and mourn let my people go and wet those slavery chains forlorn. let my people go and the lord said go down Moses way down in Egypt land till Pharaoh to let my people go All from bondage flee, let my people go, and let us all in Christ be free, let my people go. And the Lord said, Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt, land alone, Pharaoh, to let my people go.
2: Amen. Amen. From Revelation chapter 4. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night they kept on saying, holy 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 is the lord god almighty the one who always was who is and who is still to come you are worthy O lord our god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased amen and amen pray with me would you lord we thank you this morning for this picture that you've given us in your scripture of what it will be like to worship you around your throne, day and night, constantly for eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I thank you, Lord, for being that holy God who is mightier than anything that we face, that we have faced in the past, that we are facing today, or that we will face in the future, Lord. There's nothing that is beyond you that we will ever come across, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the, the beauty and the majesty that, that is pictured in, this, in this, these words that you've given us in your scripture. Father, I pray that we will begin to grasp the vastness of who you are, the, the, the awesomeness that is you, Lord. But at the same time, Lord, we also humbly thank you for being a God who sent his son here to earth as a baby, Lord, uh, one of the most vulnerable creatures we could think of, completely dependent. You sent him here, Father, for us. You sent him here to, just because you loved us. There was no other reason. There was over, no other reason needed, Lord, that in spite of your vastness, in spite of your greatness, you loved us that much that you sent your son who would grow up and go to a cross and would die so that we could be in relationship with you. God, that's so big, and it's so hard to understand that kind of love, that depth of that love that you have for us. And yet, Lord, we're going to try over and over, day in and day out, to fully understand how much you truly care, how much you are for us, how much you, you care about us and what happens to us. We thank you, Father, for gathering us together this morning in this place, for inviting us into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you have met us here. You are here already. And Father, we pray that in this service, as Pastor Rich brings us your word, that you would help us to, to hear something new today. These are old stories. Many of us have heard them since we were young children. Many of us are hearing them for the first time. Lord, may we hear something new that changes us this day and that in that changing, we will take that out to the world that we go into this week. We praise you, Father, because you alone are worthy. We give you all the glory and honor because you deserve it, Lord. And we pray these things in your precious, holy, almighty name. Amen and amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves.
0: <clears throat> it's good to be with you guys. Good to have you here on this first Sunday in February. Uh, anybody else glad to leave January behind? Is there anybody that's, that's okay, all right. Uh, we'll see what happens with winter weather. I mean, I was looking at the forecast because with this overnight warming center we're doing, I'm kind of a little more aware of when it's freezing cold outside and when it's, when it's decent. And... Uh, yeah, and it's up and down all month long so i'm glad for days like today where it's where it's nice out um. If you're here in the room with us, uh, we would love, obviously, to connect with you, and we've gotten to do a little connecting just now, uh, but if there's some way we can pray for you or thank God with you, or if you have a question, uh, you can grab one of those little green cards back there and fill it out, or you can go online to livinghope.info slash connect. All of you joining us online, of course, you can do that same thing, and we didn't get to shake your hand just now and talk with you, so we would love to know that you're with us. Uh, Drop us a comment or go to livinghope.info slash connect and and, uh, send us a note that way, and we'd love to follow up with you to connect with you and uh, see how we can help. Uh, also, you can give online, or if you're here in the room, you can just drop it in the box along with that green card. There's a little offering box back there, and that's, that's where that all goes. Uh, thank you, to, again, to all of you who've been giving faithfully, uh, kind of week in, week out, or month in, month out, or however you, however you schedule your giving, uh, because uh, there are increased costs with keeping the heat on all the time and, and all that kind of business as we're doing this warming center, and uh, your giving is what helps make that possible. So thank you for providing a place that we can serve the community uh, out of. Uh, some things that are coming up, uh, well, I mentioned the overnight warming center is still going on. Uh, we're going to, our plan is to keep that going as long as the overnight temperatures keep trending below freezing. So little dips above, we don't like cancel that night. It's like, oh, hey, it's, it's 34 outside. You don't have to be in here. Um, but once the once the trend finally comes back up above freezing, then we'll, then we'll quit, we're guessing that'll happen early March, uh, but we'll see how that works. If you would like to help, we could still use help, uh, people that'll be here to, we just need people awake during the night, uh, and so if you can do part of the night, or the whole night, either way, we'd love to, to have you here. Uh, something different that uh, that happens every February around here is we ask for your bras, uh, so that we can give them to Free the Girls, who gives them to women in other countries who are escaping uh, sex trafficking and sex work, and. Um, gives them something to sell in the used clothing market to provide income for themselves, for their families. And uh, Free the Girls does some amazing work. Go to freethegirls.org. You can read more about that ministry and what they do. And uh, so we just collect the bras and send them off. So that's pretty simple. And uh, and I kind of get a kick out of being able to go around uh, during the, the February and say, hey, how many bras you're not using? You know, we'd, we'd, we'd like them. Uh, most pastors don't ask people for, for bras. Uh, so anyway, ask for money, you know, ask for time, but, uh, but not bras. So if you'd like to ask your neighbors for the bras, you've got to had a fun reason to do that now. Anyway, and then uh, Sunday, February 26th, in between the services, we're going to have a a little all-church meeting. We do this every year and uh, that's where we elect the church board. You hear about the budget and all that kind of stuff and and, uh, any basic updates about what's going on around the church. That all happens in between the services on Sunday, February 26th. Uh, Speaking of between the services, it looks like next Sunday we may have a baptism taking place in between the services. We've got somebody wanting to be baptized. and If you would like to join them and also get baptized next week, uh, you haven't been baptized and you'd like to be is a sign that, that uh, God really has forgiven your sins. You've died to an old way of life and risen to a new one. Uh, I'd love to talk with you between now and next Sunday, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. So we, we think we're going to do it between the services that all you at nine o'clock can be a part of it, and folks that come at 10 30 can come a little early and be a part of it if they'd like to. Uh, so uh, yeah, so if you'd like to get baptized, we'd love to have you have be a part of that. And if you know, you guys are here at 9 o'clock. Uh, if you're here at 9 o'clock next week, just plan on sticking around for an extra 15 minutes uh, so you can celebrate uh, with those getting baptized. All right. Uh, we, have, uh, we are making our way through the Bible, and as Scott mentioned earlier, we have made our way to Exodus. We spent all of January in Genesis, and now we're moving on down to Exodus as the people of Israel have moved on down to Egypt, and uh, that's where the book of Exodus begins. Uh, each book of the Bible that we hit, uh, we are getting to know God a little bit better, we're getting to see God interact with his people. We're getting to see how God uh, uh, responds to human pain, to human sin, to human circumstances. And as we see the story unfold, we get to know who is this God who made us? Who is this God who has been at work, who, who called Abraham to leave his country and to go to this new land? Who is this God who, is, who promised him descendants, numerous as the stars in the sky and sands of the seashore, so that through them, all the world could be blessed You might remember that's one of those key things in Genesis that God blesses Abraham and his descendants so they can be a blessing to the whole world. Just like God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Uh, In the book of Exodus, we see that God uh, really does respond to our need. We see that God is a rescuing kind of a God who uh, doesn't just uh, watch from the sky, but who comes down and intervenes when needed. Uh, So the book of Exodus, I don't, I don't know if you started reading it or not. I hope you have. One reason that we are doing this this year, where we take one month for a book of the Bible and make our way through 12 different books from Genesis last month to Revelation in December. Uh, Thanks for the little sneak peek there, Pastor Judy, of a little bit of Revelation uh, earlier. Um, One reason we're doing it this way is so that you know this month, hey, I can be reading the book of Exodus. And Sunday morning, uh, we're going to be talking about part of the book of Exodus. So it gives you a chance to... uh, kind of maybe focus your own reading of the Bible that way. So this month, I would love for you to be reading the book of Exodus. You'll, you'll find that the first part of it uh, is the part that maybe is a little more interesting, that we've all heard about and they make movies about, and then the second half of it is a little more, uh, why do I need to know how big this tent is supposed to be and what's supposed to be inside it and all this kind of stuff, as God gives them instructions for this tent where he's going to meet with them or where they're going to worship him. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that, all right? Uh, the book starts out... Um, by kind of connecting to what just went before it. You know, at the end of Genesis, we've just read the story of Joseph that we talked about last week. And at the end of Joseph's story, uh, all of his brothers and his dad, Jacob, whose name got changed to Israel, they all get moved down to Egypt. And Exodus starts by recapping that. Here are the names of all the sons of Israel who moved down to Egypt with their families and names them all. And then it tells us, then they all died, right? Joseph died and they all died, but they were numerous. They multiplied and they filled the land. They're their descendants. And it's language they're grabbing from way back at the beginning of, the, of Genesis. I don't know if you remember. Back in the beginning of Genesis, God tells them, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the land. And that's what the people of Israel are doing now there in Egypt. So there's all these little little connections uh, the Bible project folks call them hyperlinks, you know, just like on the web where you click on something that takes you to something else. Like, there's a word there. Like, where, where did I hear that word? And you click, and it's like, oh, yeah, it jumps you back to Genesis, uh, the early chapters of Genesis. So this is all woven together into one big story. Uh, they are multiplying, and Pharaoh, uh, eventually Pharaoh, uh, a new Pharaoh, a new king, we never get this name, uh, a new king of Egypt comes to power who doesn't know Joseph, doesn't know the story, doesn't know that Joseph saved all their lives, <laughs> and the, like they owe their existence to these people. And instead, he just sees a big group of people who aren't Egyptian, who live in their land, and he's concerned. He's worried that they are becoming too numerous, too powerful, and it, if, if one day they go to war with someone, these Israelites might side with their enemies and cause a problem. And so Pharaoh decides he wants to thin the ranks. And uh, well, he starts by enslaving them, and forcing them to make bricks and build cities and, uh, and do the work for the Egyptians. And that doesn't have the desired effect. They just multiply all the more. And so then he, he finds these two Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, and says, from now on, when a Hebrew woman is giving birth, if it's a girl, let, him live, let her live. But if it's a boy, kill it. And uh, they refuse. And they come up with this humorous story to tell the, the king about how these Hebrew women are just so hardy. They just have the babies before we even get there. We can't, we can't stop them. And, and sorry, king, we haven't been able to do what you've asked us to do. And, uh, and so Pharaoh says, okay, well then from now on he just tells, he just issues a, a broad command. Any little baby boys, Hebrew bo- boys that are born should be tossed in the Nile. Should be tossed in the river and killed. Um, just, just a quick side note. Uh, we never do know Pharaoh's name, but we know the names of these two Hebrew midwives who uh, maybe don't seem important to a lot of other people, but are named in scripture as as heroes. And uh, that's, that's not the first time that we see women in the story. In fact, the very next chapter, as Moses is born and his mom realizes, wait, well, there's something special about this boy. She hides him as long as she can. And when he finally is getting old enough, she can't hide him anymore. She puts him in a basket or an ark. It's the same Hebrew word for the ark that carried Noah. And... Uh, and places him in the Nile River, where he floats down to where Pharaoh's daughter is bathing, and she finds this Hebrew boy and adopts him as her own. Um, Now, Moses' sister Miriam had been kind of watching, keeping her eye on him, making sure he was okay, and uh, she sees this happen and speaks up and says, Hey, um, if you'd like, I can find one of the Hebrew women to to nurse this child for you. And, um, And she says, Oh, that'd be wonderful. And so she goes and gets their mom, and the mom gets to... You know, raise Moses, nurture Moses, while at the same time, then he gets adopted into Pharaoh's household and raised with all the privileges that come with that. God is, is setting up Moses to be the, the exact person that he needs him to be. Um, so, again, we've got these women playing this amazing role. We never know the name of the evil king, uh, but we know the names of these, these women whom God uses in amazing ways. Uh, <clears throat> now, it jumps to Moses growing up, and Moses uh, has this, we see he's got this sense of, uh, of justice. You know, he sees that things are not right for his people. And so one day he's out uh, kind of seeing what's going on with him, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, and he kills the guy, um, buries him in the sand. The next day he comes out and sees a couple of his uh, Hebrews uh, arguing with each other, and he tries to kind of break up the fight. And one of them says, well, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And he realizes, oh, I have goofed up. Uh, Word has gone out uh, that I'm a murderer. And sure enough, soon Pharaoh has heard of it and wants to kill Moses and he has to flee. So he's got this sense of like knowing something's wrong, knowing this isn't right, but he doesn't know how to go about changing it. And instead he ends up on the run. And later in the Bible we learn for 40 years lives out uh, in Midian, Uh, tending the flocks of uh, Jethro. And it's out there that we have this moment in Exodus chapter 3 that we're focusing on today. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. I kind of imagine he was like walking by and saw like, whoa, yeah, how'd that bush catch on fire? You know, keeps the sheep away from it. You know, and a while later comes back and's like, that thing's still burning. That's not burning up. You know, a little while later he comes back and says, that thing is still going. What? I better go look and see what's happening. So he goes and it says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's how God describes himself, you know, the God who made promises to your ancestors, the, the people we've just been reading about all through Genesis. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their sufferings. Now, we, this isn't new to us to know that God hears these cries and sees them. We saw this in Genesis. We saw uh, when Cain killed his brother Abel way back in chapter 4, was it, uh, of Genesis, that God says that his blood cried to him from the ground, and he heard that cry. Uh, later, when Abraham uh, and Sarah abused uh, Sarah's servant, uh, Hagar, who had a child with Abraham, and they they sent her off that God heard the cries and saw her in her distress and reached out to to save her, to care for her. Now a similar thing is happening. He's heard, he's seen, he's aware. So in verse 8 it says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. This is I guess not exactly new either. We have that story of Abraham and the the people who came, the angels who came that he entertained without realizing that's who they were. You know, he provided hospitality and they, they came down to see if the outcry against the, the abusers in Sodom was as bad as he'd heard, right? So now God has come down once again to rescue, to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Um, This, to me, is the main point right here. Okay? So if you're you're about to zone out, if you're about to fall asleep, uh, this is the main point. All right, God hears, God responds to the cries of desperate people, and God comes down to rescue, and how does He do it? Through people. God sends Moses to go speak to Pharaoh, to go proclaim that God wants his people free. and while God is the one who does all these amazing wonders, these miracles, these plagues, these things, these terrible things that happen to Egypt. we're going to talk about those next week. Uh, while God does all these things, he sends Moses before each one to like announce them and to give. Pharaoh, a chance, like, hey, let my people go, just like Scott read just a moment ago. You know, he says, let my people go. If not, eh, it's not going to be good, right? So God works through Moses every step of the way, and that's the same way God operates today. When, when we cry out for help, God hears us. God hears our cries, even if we're not sure where to send those cries. Even if we're not like, well, God, I wasn't crying out to you. I was just crying out in agony, It doesn't say that they cried out to God. It just says he's heard their cries, that they've been oppressed, and they're crying out, and God hears it. God sees it, and God responds. So when God responds, almost every single time, the way he responds is by tapping one of us on the shoulder and saying, You you need to go. There's someone who needs help, and I've come to help them, so let's go. (laughs) You know, And Moses, just like many of us, says, well, I'm glad you've come down, but what do you need me for? (laughs) You know, and and that's, that's in fact, one of the first things he says. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? It's like the first thing he says. He's like, I I don't know why you're picking on me, (laughs) you know. Um, God, you can do this. You've got this, God. Yes, thank you. been praying, been asking you to, to do something. Now you're finally doing it. All right. Uh, are, but are we prepared? And Moses wasn't prepared. Are we prepared to, to be a part of God's answer to our prayers? Are we, are we ready for God to tap us on the shoulder if God says, I, I need you to go? I need you to provide for that person. I need you to talk with that person. I need you to give for that, to meet that need. I need you to move because I'm here. I've come down to respond, and I, I want to have my grace flow into their lives through you. God is our rescuer, and you know, Moses is not the rescuer. Moses is not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story, and Moses is the somewhat reluctant, like, accomplice, helper, uh, person that God works through. So again, that's what, that's what Moses says, but Moses protested to God. You've got that there. Who am I to appear before? That was an interesting, is that a phone, or what is that? Wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's awesome. All right. Isn't it? Amen. Yeah. All right. I'm checking my phone right now. To make sure. Yep. It's on vibrate. Okay, good. Um, Moses protested God. Who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God's answer to Pharaoh, you can you see it there and you know, it's God answered. I will be with you. I will be with you. Um, this is God's first and last answer basically to all of Moses' many objections. He says, I'll be with you. You're not doing this alone. I've come down to rescue. I'll be with you but I need you to go. He says, I will be with you and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me what is his name? Then what should I tell them? He's basically saying, okay, who are you? You know, he's already asked, who am I? And I'm kind of surprised that God doesn't say, what do you mean, who are you? Your whole life story up to this point has been making you the perfect person to talk to Pharaoh. You know, these other Hebrew slaves can't just get up and walk into Pharaoh's court and say, excuse me, I'd like an audience with the king. You can. You were raised in his household, you know. Yeah, you're wanted for murder, but still, you know, you can still walk in and uh, you know the language, you know the, the protocols, you know how to make this happen. I'm surprised God doesn't do that. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't say that. He just says, look, I'll be with you. Uh, we talked last week when we were talking about Joseph. Sorry, I'm backing up a little bit. When we were talking about Joseph, how God was with him through all the ups and downs of his life. And that even though his brothers had intended evil for him in selling him into slavery, uh, God, Joseph was able to say much later, God intended this for good. God got me right where I needed to be to save you, to save many people. And that's what God's done for Moses now. God has been at work, even through his own bad choices, even through Pharaoh's evil choice to have babies tossed into the Nile. Um, God worked through all of that to prepare Moses for what he needed to do. Just like God has been at work in your life, perhaps to prepare you for whatever it is that God calls you to do next. You know, um, <clears throat> we have all had different stories. We've all been different places, had different experiences. Um, as pastor, I get to talk to most of you. And many times you open up and you, you kind of walk through some parts of your story that maybe you don't share with other people. And uh, some of the parts of the story that maybe you, you know, the things that you leave off your resume, the things you don't list on your Tinder profile, uh, the things that you don't necessarily put out there for public consumption, um, I often get to hear about those. Um, and the interesting thing is, is to see that, like, you know what? Through what you experienced, sometimes your own bad choices, sometimes somebody else's bad choices that impacted you, God was still at work. And it might be that God is going to work through what you have been through exactly in order to help someone else who has been through something similar. You know, um, Moses isn't just some random guy that God is reaching out to. You are not just some random woman or random man. You are someone that God has been with you your entire life. And if God taps you on the shoulder, it'd be nice if he sends like a burning bush. He doesn't usually do that. Uh, it'd be nice if he sends something like you can't miss, like a face-to-face conversation. Uh, <clears throat> but when you sense God calling you to respond to a need. Think for a minute. You know, is, this, is it possible that something I've been through has uniquely prepared me for what God needs done right here? Maybe I shouldn't just pass this off and say, God, you've got this, you can find someone else. Maybe God has prepared you for this moment, for this need to respond. Maybe that's why God wants to work through you. So he's asked the who am I question, sorry. And then he, and then he asked the who are you. Uh, but he doesn't in a way that's like... Uh, Uh, well just like some of us you know we try to come up with ways to to like not have to admit we forgot somebody's name maybe you've done it here on a Sunday morning you know it's like oh man I've talked to them like a dozen times but I don't remember their name and how on earth do I I need some opportunity for someone else to someone someone new someone new come over here and and introduce yourself to them so I can hear what they say their name is you know Moses kind of does one of these it's almost like Moses isn't quite clear on who God is but but the way he asks is like well so they if I say well the God of our ancestors has sent me they'll ask what's his name you know what should I tell him? <laughs> you know, I forgot. You know, because we, we've heard his name earlier in Genesis. You know, he, his name gets used. This isn't like the first time that God's name is revealed, but it is a, a unique moment uh, where God replies to Moses, "I am who I am." Say this to the people of Israel: "I am," has sent me to you. It's a weird name, right? I mean, "I am" is not normally a not normally a name. Uh, People get all kinds of creative now with names they give their kids. Uh, Not too many people naming their kids "I am," you know, or just some verb, right? Um, But that's what that's what God does. It's like it's almost like He's saying, "Look, I I am bigger than whatever name you might, whatever label you might want to stick on me. I'm bigger than any name you might want to use to to capture me. I am who I am." Uh, Theologians have said, like, "Well, this is He means He's like the ground of all being. Like all existence depends on God. All being, all (laughs) amness, everything that is." is because of God. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, another, so you, your Bible might have a little note that, uh, that if you click on it says, uh, I am who I am or I will be who I will be. You know, so maybe there's a sense of like God, uh, like you're not gonna get to define me. I, I'm defining myself. I will be who I will be uh, <clears throat> and I will be faithful to my people. That's what he's demonstrating here. But then God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And that Yahweh is kind of related to that I am statement. Um, it's four Hebrew letters. We don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Yahweh is now most people today would say that's probably how they would have, would have said it. And there's all kinds of interesting stuff about his name. Um, now, <clears throat> uh, the Jewish people uh, over time decided, you know what, we don't want to pronounce the name of God because we don't want to defame it, and you got, in the Ten Commandments, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and all of that. And uh, and so instead of saying Yahweh, they would say the Lord. When they would read, you know, with the scrolls, when they're reading the scriptures, uh, when they would get to his name, they would say the Lord, instead of saying Yahweh. And, uh, and that's why many of our Bibles, many of our translations will say the Lord. In fact, this is the only spot in this translation that it says Yahweh, all the other places it says the Lord, and it puts like little small caps there. That's your little hint that like, oh, that's the name of the Lord. That's, that's Yahweh, the name that he, that he gave. Referring back to this, I am who I am. And, uh, <clears throat> and just as a little point of interest, uh, the Hebrew language way it's written, uh, there aren't any vowels. There's no A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. In their language, instead, they have little dots and little markings that they put, like above the letters, to let you know as you're reading, like, ah, here's how you're supposed to pronounce this. And so, what ended up happening as that developed in uh, in Hebrew writing was they put the the vowel markings for the Lord Adonai. They put those markings on the letters for Yahweh. And so then, as that got pronounced by later people who saw that and said, oh, what's this word? It looked like Jehovah. So the name Jehovah comes from kind of that mixing together of Yahweh and Adonai uh, with the consonants and the vowels. Anyway, so if you ever wondered where, where those names come from, he's saying, I am who I am. Let them know Yahweh, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Moses is not out of, out of uh, objections. He protested it again. What if they don't believe me or, or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff? Moses replied, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, really has appeared to you. And he gives him two others, one where he puts his hand in his jacket and it comes out all diseased, and he puts it back and it comes out healed. Another where he takes uh, water from, he's told to take water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground and it'll turn to blood. And uh, God gives him three signs saying, look, I'm, I'm going to be with you. You can do these things, you know, here. These things will help convince them, hopefully. But Moses still pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. He repeats what he said earlier. I will be with you. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had these moments, you know, where I'm like pushing back against what God wants me to do. And I can come up with all kinds of reasons why I'm not the guy, right? You know. Who am I to do this? You know, what if they won't believe me? You know, I'm not, I don't think I got the requisite skills or talent. You know, what I don't know. I don't think I've got the gifts for this, God. And God just says, Look, I'll be with you. I'll help you know what to say. I'll, I'll, I will help you. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. And you never want to read that in the story. All right, he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will, be, I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He'll be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I've shown you. The fact that Aaron's already on his way makes me think, God already knew, Moses, you're going to need some encouragement. You're going to need some help. I'm not sending you to do this alone. You're going to have your brother with you. Come on. Um, but because Moses just keeps on pushing and rejecting, I almost feel like now Moses is like, okay, now you don't get all the credit. <laughs> now in all the pictures, it's going to be Moses and Aaron. It might have just been you, Moses. It might have, might have been more fun, but okay. If you need Aaron to do the talking, you can let him do the talking. That's fine. Um, I hope for all of us for all of our sakes, that when God taps us on the shoulder, when God says, look, there's a need, I'm aware of it, I want to meet that need, I want to let my grace flow into that person's life, now go. I I need you to be the one who brings those words of encouragement. Now go. I need you to be the one who who makes that meal and drops it off at their house. Now go. I need you to be the one who goes and lets them know it's going to be okay, who puts your arm around them, who listens to their story. My hope is that we will um, <clears throat> perhaps not push back as hard as Moses did. <laughs> but perhaps we'll, we'll we'll trust that God knows what he's doing. That the God who made us, that the God who loves us, that the God who's never been uh, away from us, that the God who's walked with us through every up and down and, and, and success and joy and disappointment and failure, that the God who's walked with us through all of that knows who we are, knows what we're capable of, knows what we can do. And that if God says do it, that he gonna help us to do it, you know? Um, it, it wasn't easy 23 mm, years ago, um, saying, okay, God, we'll help start a new church, you know? Um, but then God knew, too, and thanks to some uh, preparation work that we did, that like, he couldn't, wasn't just gonna send us off on our own, he sent us to a parent church who helped us to uh, gather some people together to help us launch Living Hope back in 2000, right? But it was still a big challenge, it was still a big leap of faith, to do that, and uh, and just like God says to Moses, like, well, here's how you know that I'm with you. After it's over, I'll bring you to this mountain to worship me. Like, if I were Moses, I'd be thinking, like, that's that's kind of after the fact. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of need something ahead of time, you know. After we'd already made the leap, after we'd said we would do this, then God opened the door for us to to find the perfect house for us to move into. Then God provided work for Stacy. Uh, then God provided the people to help us launch the church. Um, we don't often get all those assurances ahead of time. You know, we don't always get everything uh, that, we, that we want before we say yes. Sometimes it's only after we say yes and okay and God, I'll cooperate with you, that God does, in fact, lead us and, and provide for us and make sure that we have everything that we need to make things happen. God is the rescuer. Um, but he wants to rescue through you, through me. You know, um, I've got a couple of verses here from the New Testament, from the Apostle Paul, as he's talking to these early Christians uh, about how God rescues, uh, <laughs> rescues us through Jesus. He, he just says in Colossians chapter 1, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. God is a rescuer. It's what he does. It's who he is. It's what he's done for you and for me. You know, when we were enslaved to sin, God saw us and heard our cries and, and saw us in our distress and came down to rescue us through his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect human being who did not push back like Moses did, but even in the garden as he was on his way to the cross said, okay, Father, you know, it's not what I want. You know, if there's a different way to do this, let's do that, but, but not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but yours. Be done. And in perfect cooperation with his Father's will, he took our sin and took our death and defeated them both by his death and resurrection. Purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In another letter, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life's gone. A new life has begun. Boy, thank God for that. Thank God that he he does new work in us. That he washes our slate clean. Uh, That he gives us a, a fresh chance. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Paul says, "Like we have, we have received God's grace, and now we get a chance to extend that grace to others. We have been blessed to be a blessing. God has forgiven our sins so now we get to to hold that out to others to say then there's good news you can be forgiven your past doesn't have to define you your past failures or your past mistakes or, your, or the things that others have done to you and the, the shame that you're holding on to because of somebody else's sin i mean you don't have to let all that define you anymore you can be a new person you can go confidently into your future knowing that god is with you that he will give you everything you need to be a part of his good work here in the world It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I I hope that all of us here in this room and all of us who are watching online, I hope that we are all saying, okay, God, (laughs) I'm in. Yes, here I am. Send me. I'll be a part of your good work. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you. Thank you for hearing our our cries for seeing our need. And instead of just rejecting us or condemning us, you, you came down to rescue. Just like you came down to rescue your people from slavery in Egypt, you came down in your son Jesus Christ to rescue us from the mess that we had made, from our, our slavery to, to sin, to addiction, to, uh, to shame, to fear, to all the things that, uh, that we get locked up in, God. You have come to set us free. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us that much, that you would come and do this for us. God, we're reminded that, that Jesus, uh, on the night that he was to be betrayed, on that night when he prayed that prayer, <laughs> not, not my will but yours be done, uh, that night where he was handed over to those who would, who would nail him to a cross, that as he met with his disciples, he celebrated the Passover meal. He celebrated that, that, that meal that reminded them of God's great rescue of their people from slavery in Egypt, And Jesus, you made that meal about yourself. You took bread, and you broke it, and you said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You took the cup, and you said, drink this. This is my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new covenant, the new agreement between God and humanity. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. Thank you, Jesus, for holding nothing back but giving all of yourself for us. To purchase our freedom, to give us life. We are grateful for this sacrament that we get to celebrate, uh, remembering that and experiencing your grace made tangible, touchable, tasteable here for us today. We offer you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves. And we pray that you would help us to experience that that freedom, that grace, that forgiveness. We pray that you would fill us with the spirit of Christ so that we might be changed from the inside out, so that we might live in this world as your people, as as your body, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, as your people called by you to carry the grace that you've given us to a world that desperately needs it. Thank you, God. Thank you for this amazing love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. But we do not take this for granted, God. We are so grateful for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your grace. We are so grateful for your love. We pray this. In the name of your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord, amen. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. doesn't matter uh, who you are, where you've been, what you've been through. If today you are grateful for God's love for you, if today you are hungry to receive his grace, Uh, Then you are invited to the table of our Lord Jesus to celebrate with us. So let's give thanks. Let's celebrate.
1: When I survey the Is his hand so
0: your name. Amen. Thank you, God, once again for the love that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Again, I pray, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ so that we might live in this world as as the body of Christ, given for the world. Help us, God, to have the courage we need to say yes to you when you present us with opportunities to extend your grace, your love to the people around us. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.